I'm excited this morning that I get to talk to you about some things. Some of the things may come across to you, maybe a little different than the way you've approached them. But I am thankful this morning that I didn't write this book, that my Heavenly Father did, and He wrote it for each one of us that we might have life, that we might know Jesus, that we might know how to live, that brings Him glory. And so in Hebrews chapter 13, as we move into that chapter, we are going to, to look at some of the things that he has uh, urged the, the Hebrews, the, those he was writing to, to do. You know, every day I come, to, I come to Alliance. I come to the mall. I come to work. I come to either the coffee shop or the office here at the church. And uh, I enjoy that time when I leave home. I live in Hartville. As we're still thinking about moving out here and would like to. We just haven't sold our uh, farm yet in Hartville. And, but it's a 20-minute ride, and it's usually fairly early in the morning, before 8 o'clock, 7.15, 7.30, somewhere in there. I'm usually on the road and heading this way, and I enjoy that time because the road is usually, you know, the road from Hartville to here is, is not city thoroughfare, okay? It's just a good country road, a couple school buses, a couple deer laying on the side of the road, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's a nice little drive. 20 minutes. And I like to take that time often to just commune with my father and just commit myself afresh to him, pray for myself, my family, my wife, my children, for you guys, pray for the church, pray for wisdom. And it's a time when, when I, I often do that. Sometimes I'll sit back though and I'll listen to the fish and the morning show or, or moody radio or something as well and just kind of get some input, but a lot of times I just turn the radio off and it's a quiet time. Well, Friday morning I was coming to, to work and uh, was in a, you know, I was out of town, I was in between everything, and I was meeting a line of, of traffic behind a school bus, four or five cars behind a school bus, and I'm riding along about Mays Valley Farms there somewhere, and uh, all of a sudden I look up and a car pulls out from behind the school bus, right in my lane, coming at me. Well, I immediately flicked my lights, you know, and say, hey, I'm out here. And, and the car didn't pull back in uh, and didn't squeeze over next to the bus. And that, that road right there has about this much shoulder. It's paved, but then it's a bar ditch, you know, and there's not a, a lot of room to go anywhere. And I'm running 55, 58 mile an hour. And all of a sudden, this car is, is right there in my lane, taking up the whole lane, even though it's a smaller car. And uh, I confess, I've been in that situation over in Turkey more than once, where we kind of took lanes out of the middle of everywhere. But in America, we don't drive that way most of the time, okay? And so, you know, flick my lights. I think I did it twice. And then I'm beginning to take evasive action because this car is coming. And just as it got to me, the bus, the car, and me. And I had to die for the shoulder and keep one wheel just barely there in order to, to not go down. And, and you know, otherwise, it would have been a head-on collision. So, wow. It left me sh shook just a little bit. And I drove on. And did that just really happen? Yeah, that really happened. My horn blew, my lights, I flashed my lights, and, and this car was, was going on. And, and I thought it was a young lady. Uh, maybe she was late for work, maybe having a bad morning. I don't know. I don't know who it was. Just a little, seemed like a little Chevy Cruze. 
and uh, she ran me completely you know, off the road. But I stand before you this morning very grateful that my life was spared. God's mercy. And I went on to work and went about my day and uh, hope she was okay too. I felt sorry for the school bus driver. You know, I looked in my rear view and brake lights were on and not sure what to do there. I think they had a stop coming up. And you know, it was just you don't expect it in the middle of anywhere like that. Maybe I should. But why did I share that story this morning? Partly because as I thought about it, I thought, you know, God has something for me here, and I, and I prayed about it and said, Lord, you know, this happened, and I know it's for a reason. And uh, as I thought about the sermon this morning, I thought about the idea that what I'm going to talk to you about is kind of, it, it is kind of the expectations of, or the conduct of a Christ follower. There are, there are certain things that as we read Scripture, as we grow in Him, as we grow in our love for God and for each other, um, that we do. Even some of the things in the, in the church this morning, you know, uh, when Tom said, let's greet one another, no one had to tell you how to do that, okay? And it was fun to watch. As, as I stood over here, I watched uh, you guys greet each other, and I hope everybody did. It's kind of one of our codes of conduct here at Wellspring, uh, un, unwritten anywhere, but we greet each other because we enjoy one another. We embrace community, and that's part of who we are here is we were friendly people, and, and I really like that. But if we would have, for some reason, or if, if uh, I'll pick on uh, Davin here, if, if Davin would have just said, nope, I'm not greeting anybody here this morning. Everybody who approached him, he turned his back. You know, we'd have kind of looked at Davin and said, you okay, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, you know. Just got shocked real bad this week or something. You know, I don't know. Um, he, but it didn't happen, okay? Now, as I was driving the highway and this car pulls out, suddenly the car is out of order. It's out of what our expectations are when we're meeting each other at 55 mile an hour. We don't normally pull into one another's lane, okay? We stay w along with the expectations and, and what we've been taught, and we do it gladly because we know what happens. It will steal our joy. It will, steal, it will cause bodily injury if we do not follow through with what we know to do that is right, okay? And fortunately, God's mercy intervened, and, and no one did get hurt in that incident. But there was an incident there where someone was out of line and caused others around them to react in a way that was disquieting, that, that was troubling. As, as we go through this passage this morning, we're going to talk about things. We're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about compassion. We're going to talk about commitment. We're going to talk about coupling, yes. We're going to talk about sex this morning. But, but pastor, that's for another day that's in this passage, okay? So we're going to talk about it this morning because as followers of Jesus, the Bible does have much to say about it. We're also going to talk about contentment and what happens when in all of this, if we choose to get out of line or out of obedience, knowing the parameters there's consequences, just like that situation on the highway. And so this morning, as we go into this passage, my prayer is that we go in with an open mind and go in with, with a heart, realizing with gratefulness what God has done through Jesus Christ, that he is interceding for us even right now. 
that he loves us so much that he has made a perfect plan. And in his time and place, in his divine sovereignty, he has each one of us here this morning to hear from his word, to take what his word has to say and apply it to our hearts in the culture in which we live. So let's just uh, read the first six verses of Hebrews chapter 13, and uh, then we'll just kind of unpack it, okay? Starting there, but, but let me just push you back to chapter 12, verse 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Wow, what a way to end the last chapter, huh? God's going to shake everything that can be shaken, and he is a consuming fire. He is all-powerful. He is the ultimate judge and power in this universe. And then 13, let brotherly love continue. That's interesting that God is a consuming fire, and the hardest thing maybe for us to do is love our brother and sister. It's interesting that those two, for me, follow one after the other. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you're also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. And I'm going to stop there. And next week, we'll talk about Jesus Christ being the same today, yesterday, and forever. But right now, I want to stop right here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you right now, your word is true. You have written it. You have given it to us. And Father, I pray for myself and for each one here today that your word would not return empty, but that your word would be seen as life-giving, that your word, Father, would be seen as truth and power to live by. Father, again, open my heart, open my ears. And Father, speak in and to and through me that I might share with this congregation today, with each one, what you would have them to hear. Lord, anything that comes to my mind that is not of you, Father, just stop it. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last Sunday, we had a tremendous day together with Bruce Rosa bringing the message about what it means to shepherd the flock. And some of the conversation that I was involved in afterwards, comments like, man, I'm glad I'm not a pastor because, you know, I wouldn't want a pastor after that message, okay? Um, And yet we were all challenged. He charged all of us to think about how we live in order that those who are following us, those who we are shepherding, and he challenged us all to realize that, yes, people are watching our lives. And that challenge, I would like to bring that forward this morning because uh, whether we're driving or whether we're walking, talking, uh, in conversation at home or in public or everywhere else, people are watching our lives, and people are following us whether we like it or not. And so the first thing that he... he, uh, admonishes the Hebrews here today. He says, let brotherly love continue. What's he talking about there? The kind of affection towards one another, caring for one another, 
honoring one another, seeking to outdo one another in, in kindness. So why, you say, well, how do I do that here at Wellspring? How do I live that way? Um, I have been blown away by many of you in the last month in your kindness, in your concern, your prayer, in your compassion, and even to the point of, of you know, we've been setting up the coffee shop. Uh, we've been stretched to the max. Um, and many of you have come in and offered help. You've offered uh, your, your skills, your expertise, your finances, and have just treated, I, I have felt brotherly and sisterly love from this congregation. And, and that's probably the best example that I can give to you from a personal perspective. At the same time, we are seeking to um, care for other people as well, to embrace community. And, th and that's why that is the second, in a sense, pillar of our philosophy here, is to embrace community. Because what was happening, why did they need to hear it again, is our love for one another tends to erode. It tends to wane. And if LaCroix was up here today, he'd probably say something about, you know, uh, when it comes to brotherly love, don't let it wane, let it remain, you know, or don't make it remain, let it, don't let it wane. I mean, he'd rhyme something, but I'm not LaCroix, so I'm not going to go any further than that. But I want you to remember that showing compassion to each other, especially this time of year, it's a good thing that points people to Jesus. And it's one way that we can live out our faith is showing compassion, showing hospitality uh, to one another. That's why in the bulletin, and, and Matt did a great job this morning saying, hey, guys, get together. Oh, why do I have to get together? It's one more thing. Why? Because I believe God wants to bless you as you interact with one another. And you can, you can encourage each other in that. And it's a good thing to do. That's why we have those baskets over there. And that kind of takes me to the next point here in this passage. It talks about some have entertained or show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained strangers unawares or have entertained angels unawares. Anybody here ever feel like you've entertained an angel? Some of you do. Okay, that's great. Now, um, you know, as you study the use of angels in the Bible, in Revelation, it talks about the angels of the seven churches. And there are those that feel that the angel is symbolic of the leader of that church. Sometimes well, angels bring messages to people, okay? I am not an angel, okay? I'm married. I have children. I've lived 53 years on this earth. I am not an angel. I know that, okay? But if you feel that God is speaking to you this morning and bringing you a message or has in the past, then thank God for that. I, again, I'm not an angel, but angels bring messages. And that is something that I think we are often so afraid of that maybe God doesn't get through like he sends an angel and we shut him out. Ron, what are you saying? I'm just saying that God is close at hand. Abraham entertained angels at the door of his tent. Some of you raised your hand saying, I have seen, I believe I've seen an angel. I posted on Facebook this week, I said, how close is the spiritual realm to the physical realm? Come and find out. This verse tells me it's very close. That 
we don't always know who's walking into our coffee shop or into our store or into our workplace or into our home coming to our door. But it goes on to say that some, it says, do not hesitate to entertain strangers. Show hospitality to strangers. Something that concerns me greatly is how we are beginning to react to strangers. Some of us, I believe, would rather shoot a stranger than entertain them. And that concerns me because we are called to love. We are called to show hospitality. We are called to entertain those who we do not know. And so this morning, as we think of this passage, as we think of our God as one who is sovereign over all, and we think about the time, the 21st century in which we live, and we think about the incessant influence of our society, our natural response is to push back and to close our doors and lock down and protect ourselves. But Jesus calls us. In Matthew, I was a stranger. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. And you gave me something to eat. You gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. That's the way of Jesus, folks. That's what he says here. So as followers of Jesus, let's check our compassion levels. Let's see where we are in the tank of compassion. We have a nation that's going crazy around us, wanting to bring in more refugees. What should be our response as followers of Jesus? Yes, we need to be wise. We need to be diligent. We need to be careful. But we also need to be imitators of Christ. So I urge you not to just take the first thing that sounds good but to pray carefully and seek the Lord and read his word and figure out what he wants you to do when it comes to showing compassion to your friends and neighbors, even if they look different and act different than you do. What did Jesus do and what would he do? Moving on to the next one there. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body, the body of Christ. As we, as we think back through the book of Hebrews, he talked, mentioned how they had suffered, they had identified with, and they had cared for those who were in prison. And in prison in that time, uh, it's, it's thought that they didn't usually have the, all the amenities that we have today in our prisons. And yet I have firsthand reports that prisons aren't very nice even today. Okay? But the idea of identification, the idea of praying with, praying for, showing compassion in that line as well. We have an opportunity right here, the Salvation Army Tree. Some of these parents are in prison, and these children are uh, dreaming for a nice Christmas. A lady walked in here the other day, and she was from up in Cleveland, and she walked over to this tree and she said, can I help? And I said, sure, you can help. And she walked over to one right here, little Zier, and she said, um, she read what it was. She said, can I give $50 to help? 
So folks, anybody who wants to take this one today has $50 from a lady named Sandy to spend on this child because she wants to show hospitality. She wants to help a stranger. I find that very exciting because they're moved when they hear and when they see the stories of these children. So I'm going to wrap that right around there like that. Anybody take that? $50 extra. We have these grocery ba uh, baskets out here. Why do we have those? We have them because we want you to, to stretch. We want you to move outside and, and, and entertain strangers, show compassion, show hospitality. I wish that for every family in this congregation, we had a basket where we gave sacrificially to fill that so that somebody could have Christmas dinner as we're going to have it. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had 50 baskets instead of five? Maybe that can be our goal for next year, to show compassion, to show hospitality, to help strangers and, and possibly those who are in prison. I, I can't do this by myself, but I'm part of a body, and I'm excited about that. I'm part of, of your family, and you're part of my family. So let's continue to pray and ask God what we can do to show compassion to our world around us. And then we come to verse 4. Coupling. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Some of you in months past, as the Supreme Court ruled what they did, have asked me, Ron, when are you going to speak out on marriage and the subject? And I said, well, Hebrews 13 is coming. And I know I have your attention. But just like the command is to love the stranger, love your neighbor, show brotherly love, and it's lifted very high. The idea of honoring marriage is also a very high call. And I know we all sit here, we have scars, we have brokenness, we have the blood of Jesus Christ, amen, that we can go forward in this, okay? But at the same time, this is written to brothers and sisters because some of us struggle. I've shared with you that I struggled for years with pornography, which is immorality, which is something that God, I begged him to help me, deliver me from. And I praise him for what he is doing in my life and for the deliverance that I found. Because it was immorality. It was very unhealthy. It was sin. It is sin. So I'm going to talk about marriage, honoring marriage. And what you do to honor something is you regard it with, with almost frightful value. And it's interesting that in hospitality, it says work to outdo, Paul writing to the Romans says work to outdo one another, to honor one another and, and preferring one another in love, lifting one another up in brotherly love. Well, let's take honor further. And in a society that no longer honors what God calls marriage, and if you would, just look with me at Matthew 25, or I'm sorry, Matthew 19. And Alice is going to kick it up here on the screen for us so that we can look at it together. But it, Jesus says this. Jesus says, have you not read that he who created them, now we're talking about the creation, the beginning, from the beginning made them male and female. And what does the next verse say? 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, male and female. God created them in the beginning, and he declared and ordained that marriage be between a man and a woman. Okay? That's the Bible. That's not Ron Embleton talking. Okay? That's my father. And that's how he laid it out. And I believe we have one more verse, or is that it, Al? That's it. Okay, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What, therefore, God has joined together, let not man separate. So there you have God's plan, his purpose, his ideal. And you also have all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone into his own way, and the Lord has laid on our Savior the iniquity of us all. Praise God for Jesus, our hope our Savior, because all have sinned and fallen short. So we have this, though, a car that drives out of line and comes racing down the road towards us. We have to take evasive action. Why? Because we don't want to be killed. We want to have joy for the next day. God doesn't issue these commands to kill our joy. He issues these commands because the things that we do in the flesh kill our joy. And so this passage is one where God reminds us and the readers that the writer was writing to that the marriage bed needs to be honored. We're talking about brotherly love here. We're talking about the body. We're talking about the fact that in the body, marriage needs to be encouraged and honored among the body of believers. One man, one woman. I don't care where you've been but I want to walk with you going forward because Jesus died for me and he died for you. And whether you're struggling with pornography as I have or whether you're wrestling with true commitment in your marriage or whether you're single and wrestling with being pure and not able to be pure, I don't know where you are today, but I know that we live in a society that has removed any standards, any parameters, any responsibility, and just says, do what you want to do. But the Bible gives life in its teachings, and the Bible for us calls us to keep marriage pure. And we at Wellspring call you to come and walk with us in a way that brings glory to God and joy in your life. Does it make mean marriage is easy? No. No, no. It's not easy. You got two people, two different personalities saying they're going to spend the rest of their life together. Come on. <laughs> That's hard. I mean, I get tired of me. Sometimes I want to just, you know, take a break. I married a perfect woman. She's awesome. Because she puts up with me for 30-some years, okay? And I do feel very, very blessed. But at the same time, I know that to be with me and to stay with me had to be a choice on her part, day after day after day. Because she loved God, and she chose to love me too. So it's a choice to let brotherly love, to, to that idea of, Esteem one another better than yourselves. Why? Because Jesus 
ordained it. But sadly, our world, our society comes at it from the other end of coupling meaning sex, and that's all it's about. And if you can't get pleasure one way, try it another way. And it doesn't really matter how you go about it because you got to have the pleasure. Folks, don't believe that lie. God's way is the best way. And his way, when it comes to sex, when it, that he has created and ordained, is for a man and a woman to be married. And anything outside of marriage, sex is sinful. That's right. Before marriage, during marriage with someone else, it's sinning. And what does he say here in this passage? But he says, let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Who judges? God judges. It's not our responsibility. We don't make that call. But again, a little bit ago, we talked about angels unaware, not being aware of angels. But the spiritual and the physical being very close together. That an angel can show up at any time with a message for you from God. So when we think that we are hiding and pleasing ourselves, who is there in the spiritual realm? Jesus is there. God is there. His presence. And he desires to bring glory. And we desire gratification. Brothers and sisters, let brotherly love continue. Show compassion in your coupling. Be married to that person, man or woman, that you are to be married to. And just to make it clear, man with a woman, woman with a man is how God intends it to be. Okay? We love you. We know we've all made mistakes. We, we've fallen far short. But while we were like that, Jesus died. Isn't that awesome for us? He shed his blood. It was no surprise to him. What a savior. What a lover of our souls. What a one who wants to bring us joy. So this morning as I share this with you, I love you. God loves you. And I invite you to walk with us as you wrestle with purity, as you wrestle with your relationship, as you wrestle with being single or being widowed or being whatever state you find yourself in. Please walk with us and we'll walk with you. And moving on here to the next one. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Contentment. Be content with what you have. Pretty straightforward stuff. Kind of like that yellow line on the road. Pretty straightforward, but boy, do we like to pull out the past, don't we? Man, if only I had. If only I was there quicker. If only, if only, if only. But a mark of a Christian, characteristic of a Christian, is to say, hey, Jesus gave me life. He's forgiven my sin. He has promised to meet my needs, and I'm content. Does that mean we sit back and we don't work or we don't do the things that we know to do? No, it doesn't. Because there's other teachings in Scripture that talk about that, doesn't it? 
And he gives us a job to do. And, and this morning in our ABF, Phil challenged us with 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Therefore, make every effort to work towards these things. Make an effort. Move. Grab a hold of who Jesus is. His grace and his peace will be multiplied to you as you seek to know more about him. And the level of contentment in your heart will also grow because your eyes are on Jesus. You're encountering him rather than trying to grasp everything else around you. He wants you to be content. Others are watching. And like I talked a few weeks ago, that when we find ourselves complaining and not being thankful, God does not have the right place in our heart, does he? Because we are wanting something else. We are wanting more. And here he says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I love this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow. The God of the universe, the one who has the power to lay his life down and take his life up again, says to you and I, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm here for you. But God, I want this. Or it's not fair that they have that. You've got me, the Almighty, the one who orders the planets and the stars, the one who causes the sun to come up in the morning, the one who makes the seasons turn, even keeps it warm in northeast Ohio. We have him. It's awesome. And he knows your name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's say that together. The Lord is my helper. Oh, let's do it this way. I will say it, then you repeat after me, okay? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? But he can kill me. Yeah, and then I'm free to go be with Jesus. All right? What can man do to us that God's not already figured it out before the foundations of the world? Contentment. Wow. People are watching us drive. Do our lives reflect contentment no matter what the cost? You may be sitting here this morning saying, but pastor, you don't understand. I have stage three cancer. Sorry. I just lost my mate a year ago. I'm disabled. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. You're right. These things are terrifying. And we're afraid to ask one another to pray or one another to help us. What if we change that? What if in our contentment we said, you know what? I want to show brotherly love because God, Jesus is my older brother. And look what he did for me. Some of you are probably thinking, well, let me just come to your coffee shop and I'll ask for free coffee. Come on down. We might even have a leftover cinnamon roll. Um, no, really, 
not to make light of it. Can we do more as a body to show contentment, to show compassion, to show commitment? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There's an interesting dynamic happening there. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Somebody had passed. Somebody maybe got killed for their faith. And this writer is calling on the Hebrew uh, audience to remember these leaders that, I mean, this was like 69 A.D., and Jerusalem was just about be to be destroyed. A lot of persecution was happening. And the writer is saying, hey, guys, remember your leaders in the church. Remember those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Back to this thing they were talking about last week of being imitators of Christ, being worthy of imitation. <laughs> All I can say is, God, help me that I might be someone that someone can possibly imitate. And I know I failed miserably this week, trying to speak the truth without speaking it in love, hurting people. But that happens because I get looking at myself. And I become discontent. And so I begin to complain instead of saying, hey, God is my helper. Who do I? What can man do to me? Who will, I will not fear. So here we have the challenge to commit. I think I might have jumped over one. Uh, the next one up there is uh, in our conversation. Yes, that's what I jumped over. Let's just think about that. What if our conversation reflected the things that we're talking about here? That God is my strength. How are you doing today? Well, it's been a rough week, but God is my strength. Every time I read through the Psalms and I, and I read about David, and David voices his laments, boy, doesn't he? He cries out to God, God, where are you? Are you asleep? Did you turn your face from me? How come, you know, I'm crying out to you? And yet at the end of it, almost every one of those, he says, yet in you I will trust. You are my creator. Um, you know, then you get into Psalm 19, and, and I, will, I will love your precepts. I love your statutes. I, I will follow them. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And over and over and over again, he builds and reminds himself and reminds his readers of the the faithfulness and the power and the strength of God. So in our conversation, I challenge us this week to be in the Word so we got something to give, but at the same time, may our conversation be sweet and seasoned with salt because we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world, but the idea of being salty, the idea of bringing flavor with our conversation. And it may be in the, in the topics that we've talked about so far. but may our conversation reflect a person seeking hard after God where we, we express our love for him. And then, uh, again, the final one is the one I mentioned already, the idea of commitment to one another, commitment to following together, commitment to walking together. 
embracing community, being leaders that others can imitate. Pray for me that I will. Pray for Phil. We were both sharing stories this morning with each other and in the ABF of how our mettle was challenged this week as leaders by those who walk into our presence and they proceed to question and challenge and blast what we do. It makes us want to push back and say, what about you? We want to be those kind of leaders that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are so in love with Jesus that others want to imitate. And I hope that you do too. Let's go to the principles that I, I feel are in this passage. One, God, does dis, God disapproves and judges all forms of sexual immorality. All forms. Not just homosexuality, but all forms of immorality. That's a principle that we saw in this passage. God also promises to never leave or forsake us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? We can get all hung up on the first one and say, well, poof, no, I'm out. Look at the second one principle that we hear, God promises to never leave or forsake us. What a patient father. Makes you want to run to him, doesn't it? The third one, God is pleased with our obedience and praise and unselfish service to others. That's why he calls us to offer hospitality to both our brothers and strangers. He's pleased with that. And that's why Jesus said, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. These are the things we're called to do. Simple but difficult because we get so busy. Next, only God is able to equip us with the needed attitudes and skills to accomplish his will. Who? Only God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins and he makes us alive. He sanctifies us, and that's an ongoing process. So this morning, I hope that you're encouraged, that you're not sitting there feeling like Ron really came down on me. No. I'm here to point you to Jesus. I'm here to point you to your Heavenly Father because He is the one. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness to stay on the path that He's called us to walk. It's not always popular. It's not popular with our society anymore. But it delights our Father. And that's where we need to keep our focus. So how do we make application today? Show hospitality. Purpose to do that. Ask God to show you how. Love others who believe as family members. Love your brothers like brothers, love your sisters like sisters. Don't look at them as, as something to acquire. Even though that's our culture. We can love each other like family. Honor marriage. Honor it. Congratulate those who've stuck through whatever. <laughs> Encourage those who are thinking about it. And those who are living together, encourage them to get married before God. Make a commitment. Love strangers. Now, I don't mean in a physical way, in a sexual way. I don't mean that. I mean 
show God's love. You are his vessel. You are his ambassador. Love those people. I'll never forget, tell a little story. I dressed up like Howard Stern. And my wife put on a scarf and dark glasses. And we drove seven hours and walked into my sister's birthday party at a restaurant. I didn't wear it the whole seven hours. I just put it on, you know. But dark glasses, big curly black wig, leather jacket, you know, and walked in there. And on the way in, I was following my sister and her daughter, who was about seven or eight at the time. And I saw my sister look back and grab her daughter and just power her through the door and into the crowd, you know, where everybody was safe. And I was wanting to laugh. And, you know, we walked in, and, and no one recognized us. And I walked right up to my sister, who was having the birthday, and I just gave her a big hug and, you know, happy birthday. And she didn't recognize me. <laughs> and my mother's sitting over in the corner. And my mom is probably 78 years old, something like that. And my dad's kind of watching things. And I walk over to my mom, and, I mean, it's like, you know, she just did not recognize me at all, and uh, how you doing, and, you know, and I mean, the, but I think it was even after I had been found out that I walked over there, and she still just was, you know, did not want me to come too close. Um, it was all in fun, and, you know, I have a brother-in-law who's uh, Air Force, uh, for retired from Air Force, and then he, um, he worked in the prison system, and, you know, I'm not around him hardly ever. And I walked in there, and just he recognized my gait. I have one leg that's slightly bowed more than the other. And he recognized, you know, didn't recognize anything about me except my gait. And something to say, he said, I think that's Ron. And that was while my wife was still scarfed and glasses and everything else. But he, he was very discerning. And uh, I think there's, a, there's an analogy there that we can make that, that uh, God can give us wisdom when we are dealing with strangers, that we don't just run up to everyone that we see, but we ask God to show us how to show love to strangers. Are you okay with that? But our tendency is to want to react and run away from anybody who's a stranger and, st and layer ourselves inside of the people that we know. Well, folks, I got news for you. There's, some, there's one more C. It's called the commission, the great commission. Jesus said to his disciples, in your going, make disciples. And he sent them out among people they didn't know. We are also commissioned to go and make disciples. We were joking about the center section this morning, that it was hardly anybody there, and someone said, it must be the spit section. Ron, are you spitting too much? Uh, and that's why everybody's sitting on the sides. Well, if I am, I apologize. Phil and Myrna are very brave. Um, Randy's sitting back far enough. He's good. But uh, it does show that we have some room to fill, doesn't it? So I hope this morning as we begin to address chapter 13, a lot of practical things coming off of a lot of great theology of who God is and what he has done and how he has made a way for us to enter boldly into the throne of grace through his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer 
for you this morning. That if any of these points you feel convicted, oops, another C. My prayer is that this morning you would take a few minutes here and just do business with God. If one of these areas finds you in the other lane, heading for disaster, ask God to help you control your vehicle and come back to following him. Not running ahead, not running amok, but in a way where others can see and be encouraged that you too have Christ in your life. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we bow before you, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that he is our Savior, our Lord, the one who has made a way. And as so, Father, this morning, we realize in every area that we fall far short. But you give us these uh, commands, these exhortations anyway, because you have a plan and a purpose and a hope for us, and you call us forward. And so, Father, this morning, where we're struggling with compassion, fill our hearts with your love. Where we're struggling with self-control and unhealthy uh, relationships. Father, give us the strength to confess and come back to you. Father, where we're not content, Lord, help us give those things to you that are making us crazy that we might be able to say, the Lord is my helper. I will be content. Lord, where we need to deepen our commitment to you because you are our shepherd, our leader. Father, I pray that today would you strengthen us to do that. So Lord, today, I pray for each person here and I pray, Father, that as they've listened to these words this morning, again, I ask that you remove anything that I may have said that they find coming from me. But may your word, may your spirit remain, and may it reap a harvest that brings you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus. Uh-huh.